listening to the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. We exist to empower the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive through podcast community. Now, here is your host. Blooming Inspired Podcast, equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. Good morning. This is Michelle Bentham, and I'm the host of Blooming Inspired Podcast. This morning on the show, I have Karen DeArmond Gardner. Um, she's a friend of mine. We've been a friend, read French for a number of years. We're in um, a writing group together. And uh, Karen has been a champion in my life. And, and I, I hope to be a champion in hers. And, um, and she has a story to tell. And at Blooming Inspired Podcast, we are about equipping and empowering the voices of women who live their lives blooming alive. And while Karen has not always been able to live her life blooming alive, she has been blossoming and blooming for the last 15 years um, as God has walked her out of some very, very difficult and painful circumstances into a place of healing and pursuing wholeness and, and learning how to help others walk their journey of faith through the difficult and painful circumstances of life. So I just want to welcome Karen to the show and give her the opportunity to introduce herself and tell you a little bit about her. Mm. Welcome, Karen. Hi, thank you for having me on, Michelle. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, I know your story and I can't wait to share it with my listeners. So so as she said, I'm Karen DeArmond Gardner, and I kept the DeArmond. It's my maiden name. Um, and when I got remarried nine years ago, I asked my husband if he was okay if I kept it. I said, I gave it up once, and I lost myself. And, and I didn't want to do that again. And so that's why I kept it. Um, it also makes me, sets me apart um, because there are many Karen DeArmonds, many Karen Gardners. Mm. There's one Karen DeArmond Gardner. There you so. <laughs> so, sounds really good. Like, sounds really good. Yes, <laughs> I like that. Um, so, um, gosh, where do you want me to start? So, um, why don't you tell us about your life now, where you are now, and um, then we'll work into your story and and uh, and you can take us back and tell us a little bit of your history and why we're on the podcast today. Okay. Um, well, t today, um, I am married to Tom Gardner. Um, he is a bodyguard, and mm -hmm. that will bring some significance much later as we go through my story. Yeah. Um, and we have, between us, we have three kids, three adult mm -hmm. kids, and we have five grandkids. We have five grandkids. Your quivers and are full. The quiver is full. Yes. Yes. And um, I retired from Aetna three years ago. And so since then have been working at writing mm -hmm. and started writing a book um, about a year and a half ago. And I'm getting ready to actually finish that up in the next few months. I love it. I love it. So um, the book is part of the reason why we're, we're talking today, because this is part of you telling your story, is that you're in the process of writing and publishing a book that, that mm -hmm. recounts your story. So why don't you um, tell us a little bit of your story from uh, the beginning, because this, this is a 45-year journey that you've been on now. 
Yes. Boy, that sounds like a lot. Um, <laughs> um, yes. I, um, when I was 16, I was not raised in the church. And when I was 16, um, I, after two years of attending church, um, I finally met Jesus um, at a Dale, Dave Wilkerson rally in, mm. in California. Wow. Um, and so, um, so that was right before my senior year. And of course, my mom wanted me to go to Bible college. And so off I went and I ended up staying from three years. And I went from California girl to Michigan wow. to Bible college. It was super conservative. And most of the kids were um, from missionary families and pastor's families. And I felt slightly out of place because my stepdad was a bartender. Oh, and yeah. I don't think most of the kids even knew what that was. Um, so it was, it was very, um, it wasn't bad. I, I ended up making friends with other groups of young people that came like me came out of more difficult backgrounds. Okay. And so when I graduated, I came back to California and a friend says, Hey, I have a friend. We have a guy that we want you to meet. Mm. And I'm like, okay. And so I, um, so I uh, met him, and um, we just started dating, and um, and in two and a half months we got married. I know. So it was a quick courtship and yes. marriage. Yes, it was. It was quick, and I understand that now. Looking back, I I see the dynamic that went on, but I couldn't tell you that at the time. Yeah, and so um, tell me how well you think you can you can know someone at that young age like in two months because I, I know when I met Scott I was 28 mm -hmm. and within three weeks I knew I wanted to marry him and spend the rest of my life with him but it was well over a year later before we actually made a decision regarding mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. and and I, I don't think I'll ever regret it and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to do it quickly but were there things in your relationship things that you either didn't see or chose not to see um, it's it's really now that I know the dynamic that goes on um, they actually have a name for it they call it trauma bonding trauma and bonding. Okay. trauma bonding and it's when um, and we're going to talk about the guys because obviously I was married to a guy and I'm actually right. going to call him guy if I need to call him a name that is not his real name um, but uh, let me put it, just put a pin in that. Yeah. The reason that we're doing that is because there's a, there's a principle of honor. Mm -hmm. Um, and while we're telling a very difficult story that he's a part of exposing someone who, who hasn't necessarily given permission to be exposed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a Not, big thing. Yeah. It's a big thing and it hasn't happened yet. It will because of the book, it will need yeah. to happen. Um, and so, but the trauma bonding is what happens is, is they come and they love bomb you and you are the most amazing woman. They've never met anybody like you and, um, and they learn all about you. They listen to everything you say. They want to hear everything, all your secrets. They just want to know everything about you whenever, and, but they're not giving much of themselves. Um, they'll tell you some, but, but not very much. 
And in that process, they learn what your kind of your non-negotiables are. Uh, they learn what your boundaries are and they will push those boundaries. And when they do and you react like, what was that? They come back and they love bomb you again and remind you there's nobody like you. You're so amazing. Um, you're the woman I've been praying for. They'll use all kinds of different language and you forget about this boundary that got pushed over here. Mm -hmm. And they actually call it trauma amnesia, believe it or not. There are names for all this stuff, which is wow. kind of crazy. And, and so you think it's just a fluke. And so it's all designed to get you to not focus on the boundary. And so then throughout that short relationship, they'll push your boundary again. Right. And, and when you react again, you go through that same kind of that back and forth. And I know at one point I asked my mom, he told me that he loved me after a couple of days. And I walked into my mom going, how do you know you're in love? And I don't even remember her answer if she had one, because I didn't know. I thought what his attention was love was love. Mm -hmm. And um, because he treated me like he wanted to show me off to his guys. He was in the Marine Corps. Um, and so he wanted to show me off to his friends. And um, this was 45 years ago. Yeah, I was so the 20, Marine Corps today is not the same as the Marine Corps back then, but right. it's, there are some elements that are still going to be there mm -hmm. because Marines are conditioned to react before they think mm -hmm. and through mm -hmm. their training and everything, because they're typically the first to go into battle. Mm -hmm. And so, because my first husband, who was um, also a, abusive to me, I was married to him only three and a half years because I got out pretty quick, but he was also in the Marines. Mm -hmm. And if I startled him from sleep, he came out of sleep swinging mm. because he was so trained in his mind to react violently to protect himself. Mm. And so and power and manipulation and control are all the tactics they use to train them, mm -hmm. you know, and they limit their power and they, they, they manipulate their emotionally to train them. And his father had done that to him his entire life. Mm. And so I can relate to what you're telling me about they They actually groom you to respond to them in a certain way. Mm. Oh yes. That's right. There was grooming going on through this whole process. That's the other layer of the 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 grooming that happens. And um, but in the end, like he pushed one of my big big boundaries, mm -hmm. and um, and then he stopped it. And then, but all the while, I thought it was my idea. So oh, wow! He, so that is part of what they design is. You think that when you finally push any of your big boundaries, um, that um, that it was your idea because mm -hmm. that's how it gets twisted and manipulated. And so, were there red flags while we were dating? Oh, there were just boatloads of them. As a matter of fact, I could not even look at those until two years ago um, that I was in a healing session. I I just blocked that out of my mind because I did not want to look at the fact that he did this, this, and this, and I ignored it. And I didn't understand why did I do that. But understanding what trauma bonding is, now it like makes so much sense. Yeah, um, and your childhood probably set you up for that as well. My childhood set me up for that. And yeah. so, and I believed for 
um, up until like two years ago, I believed that he chose me because I was broken. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a friend corrected me on that. And, and then I was reading something later in the week that confirmed that, no, they don't choose you because you're broken. They choose you because you have what they need. Yes, you have what they need. It, even if you were, um, as I was sexually abused when I was a child, you have a strength to you because of the survival that mm -hmm. it takes. And, and so they're drawn, especially, you know, predators in, in churches, they like women because why we believe in Jesus, we don't believe in divorce, we forgiveness, second chances, um, and submission, all of these amazing, wonderful precepts and concepts and theology that we have actually are the reasons they're drawn to you and what keeps you trapped in the marriage. Um, and so, so when I realized that he, he needed what I had, and so through the marriage, he was taking everything that was mine, everything that was me, and to where I, until I eventually just disappeared. Isn't that the way it works? Yeah. I remember very distinctly, I was 19 years old, pregnant with my second child. And he got very angry one night and punched holes in the doors and the walls. I went to work the next day and had to take my baby with me. And so he was in a playpen in the back of an auto parts store. And I was telling the guys behind the counter what had happened. And they said, Sugar, you need to run, run. Mm. Like, the best advice I never took, that's what I call that. He mm. said, because if he's punching holes in the doors, it's not going to be very long before he realizes it's not the doors making him angry. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. It was within a year before mm -hmm. the, the physical violence really started with me. And it started after our second. Well, actually, it started while I was pregnant with our second child. Mm -hmm. And wasn't able to work because of health conditions. And um, and there was a guy staying with us at the time uh, that it was a friend of his. And he took him out of the apartment long enough for my parents to come and pick me up and encourage me to leave. Mm -hmm. And so I left. But I came back because I had a kid and I didn't want to be a single mom again because mm -hmm. I'd been that already. Mm -hmm. And so... I chose to stay because I didn't want to go home, you know, mm -hmm. and, and admit that I had failed again. Yes. Know? And yeah. that's the other part of that, Michelle, is that, that he knew, I remember one time he said, the reason you don't divorce me is because then you have to admit you're a failure. Wow. And I never said those words out loud, but he knew that because he knew me well. Yeah. Because they, they, even though, um, and I say narcissistic, he's not diagnosed as that, but when you read about it, yeah, it's narcissistic <laughs> tendencies, sure. um, but narcissists <laughs> or abusers, however you want, whatever word you want to use, they actually study you really well as, yeah. as self-centered as they are. They learn about all your, all your weaknesses and all your secrets and then in moments where you're the most vulnerable, they bring those secrets back out in a way like you did something wrong and they use it to shame you yep. horribly. 
And so the physical abuse for us did not start right away. Um, it was the, the verbal and the emotional and a lot of the verbal was around, oh, just joking. Yeah. Just joking. And Proverbs talks about that. <laughs> there is a Telling verse. about it. Yes. <laughs> and, and so it's, uh, but it started, there was also silence was a weapon. Um, where, you know, don't talk to you for days. And, um, and then over time, the physical happened. And most women say, oh, it was only emotional. It was only verbal. There was no physical abuse. But then I ask him, has, did he ever pinch you? Did he ever squeeze your fingers? Did he yank a toe? Did he hug you too tight? Um, you know, little things that we think of domestic violence is when you're getting punched and slapped and all that, which yes, but there, and that's the difference between domestic violence and domestic abuse that's is right. abuse can be, it's not a full on attack. And so it's, it's just the enough little to things. control. It, it yes. really is. It's just yes. enough to control you. And when yes. they, they get out of control is usually mm -hmm. when violence occurs. Yes. Yes. And, 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 um, and my ex couldn't, it's like, he could not hit me unless I gave him a reason. I, so he would, to justify his reason to hit, he would say something horrible, like about my mom. And of course I would defend her. And then that would be his, he would have an excuse um, to do it. And I didn't realize until this, uh, this Christmas, um, Christmas was always good. Um, we didn't start having kids um, until we've been married six years. And, um, and Christmas holidays were good. He loved Christmas. But what I realized is that it wasn't Christmas was good, but it was the days before Christmas where it was right. bad. And I had completely forgotten about that. And so even now with my children who are adults themselves, we find chaos going on before Christmas. Mm. And, and it's, and it's a, a cycle we didn't even remember that we were living through. And so that was something, um, a new revelation. Can um, I ask you this? Was he a mm -hmm. good gift giver? Oh, yes. Yes. He could buy, he could buy clothes for me. Like, no, I mean, he knew exactly what he knew what would look better on me than I did. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, gifts were always that's, you know, and part of that was his love language, mm -hmm. how he showed love, but it was also his way to, you know, whatever. What uh, was your love? What's your love language? Oh, well, <laughs> when I came out of the marriage, it was all five of them. Okay. And, but because now that... Because you had been deprived of all of those All things. of them. But yeah. now I know my primary love language is gifts mm. and uh, words of affirmation. So mm. even though mm -hmm. he's failing miserably on the words of affirmation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. At, except for when he is trying to butter you up, mm -hmm. really, at, um, through the bonding process. Mm-hmm. But, he, but he's still taking from you oh, yeah. as much as he's giving. Right. Yeah. The gifts are speaking love to you. Mm. Yes. The Christmas, it would, yes, it would speak love. And, uh, but uh, just to go back for part of the dynamic of, of when we were dating and um, 
what I have learned through the years is that the enemy uses what is good about us against us. That's right. Say that again. The enemy uses what's good about us against us. So, you know, I've done strength finders. And when I learned about strength finders and my number one was responsibility and which is really good when you have a job. Um, But what I've discovered is when the enemy twists the responsibility, it said, once I said no, I couldn't say, once I said yes, I could not say no. Uh So it never occurred to me once I said that I would marry him. And I don't even know why I was saying, I was afraid not to. I don't know why. I had a hard time telling people no. Mm -hmm. And um, were you a people pleaser? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it never occurred to me that I could change my mind. And which sounds crazy, but... Oh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Not to me. Yeah. It, and so it, it, it's what I've, I have learned. I'm also on um, as an Enneagram 4 and creative and also, um, you know, you don't want to be ordinary. And you, um, that's the last thing you want to be. Is you want to be unique and stand yeah, out. Unique and, and stand out. And valued. Valued. And valued. seen. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so from a child, from a child that was squished in my life. And then it was definitely um, squished throughout the marriage because um, you think about the concept of what Jesus says. Paul talks about where we must decrease so he can increase, right? Right. That's a concept. That's a biblical concept that when we're weak, then he is strong in us. Well, an abuser takes that and makes you weak, makes you less so that they can be more. Uh, It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. It is a total counterfeit. And in that process, your world begins to revolve. And some people call that codependency because that's what it is. It's revolving around somebody else's brokenness. But in reality, that is still part of the trauma bond. Right. But it it creates a tendency towards um, bonding with people who will hurt you. Yes. Yes. So that's where I think it becomes codependent behavior. Mm -hmm. Is because for and and part of my codependent behavior was I got to the point to where I thought if he's gonna hit me, I handle it better if I'm prepared for it. So if I'm gonna get hit this week, I'll just provoke a fight over dinner so I can because it almost never was as bad. Mm-hmm. And so I would get in, get him angry over well, are we gonna have green beans or peas for dinner? And make him give me an answer because I would tell him, I don't want you to hit me over this later. But it would provoke him to anger to where he would hit me because I was mm-hmm. demanding an answer. Mm-hmm. But it was my way of, uh, and, I, and I remember my mental process was, well, if I'm going to die, I'm just going to take a piece of him with me. Mm-hmm. So I began to fight back. And it, it's, it's very destructive. It, it is, but it, even in that dynamic, it's still not your fault. Yeah. This has been because I don't have choices at that point. No, you're you're no choices are gone. You yeah. think about fear and love. We're right. either in love or in fear. You don't get both. They're like opposites of magnets. When you try to put them together, they will shoot apart. You cannot walk in both. If you're living your life in fear, you're not walking in love. There love isn't even yep. a 
factor. And that fear takes away our power. It yep. takes away love, number one, because we know that. We just said that. Takes away your love, takes away your power, and it takes away your sound mind. Yes, abs- that is absolutely right. Yes. And 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 I, and I want to go back to your, your story and, and talk about kind of um, how how it progressed after you got married and after you had children, how, mm-hmm. how it progressed. But I can remember going to the hospital to the emergency. He would take me and I would lie and tell them I fell and hit my head or, you know, whatever I needed to say to get treatment because all of my security was tied up in him mm-hmm. because I didn't have a job. I had mm-hmm. three kids I was taking care of. And when I looked for a job, I couldn't find one, mm-hmm. you know? And so all of my security in my life was tied up in him, which limited my choices. That's all the time we have for today, but be sure to tune in next week as we continue Karen's story. This story is going to run through the month of February. Um, and Karen has such a powerful testimony and she has, Um, really spent a lot of time researching, getting healing, and listening to the Lord's heart, especially for women who are in abusive situations. So you don't want to miss us next week as we continue to tell Karen DeArmond's Gardner's story of cracking the silence about abuse in her life and how she's telling her story now through this interview and in an upcoming book that she's seeking to get published at this very minute. So don't miss next week's episode as Karen continues her story. This weekend we will be sharing a, a, a pre-recorded Bible study session on Facebook at 10 o'clock a.m. on Blooming Inspired Network. That's facebook.com forward slash Blooming Inspired. Don't forget to tune into that. Also, um, I will be speaking on February the 26th at TheRanchSouth.org. That's the website. It's the Ranch Cowboy Country Church South in Edna, Texas. That's down near Victoria, Texas. It's a it's a wonderful um, group of women that attend the Ranch Cowboy Country Church South there in Edna on a weekly basis, and they um, are just passionate, real women. It's called the Real Women Conference, and. If you are interested in attending that, please DM me at facebook.com forward slash Blooming Inspired or email Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E dot Bentham, B as in boy, E, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, H, A, M as in Mary at Blooming Inspired Network.com, Blooming Inspired Network.com and I will send you the information for how to register. You can register through PayPal or by mailing a check right now for $45. Tickets will also be $60 at the door the day of the conference. It's just going to be a fabulous time in the Lord, and I would love to have some familiar faces in the audience. Um, It's always a freedom-focused event with an emphasis on identity Um, and this year's theme is pieces so I would love to see you there as we move um, 
through this year. I really feel like God says we have vision, velocity, and victory this year. But last week, as I was really pressing in with the Lord, I felt like He said, this is a year to shine. And so I want to encourage you, pursue God, pursue His Word, pursue what He has for you in this season. Um, The Lord is gracious and He is good. And I cannot wait uh, to see what He's going to do with this year, the year of the mouth. It's pay in the Hebrew calendar, and it's the decade of declaration. So be careful with your words, but speak life and speak Uh, the things you're hearing God saying as you move forward. If you have been blessed by this podcast, would you like it on Facebook? Share it with your sphere of influence. And would you subscribe to our website, bloominginspirednetwork.com? That's a great way to stay connected to us. If you subscribe there, um, when we send out a new podcast, that, that will automatically come to your inbox. And uh, so I am just excited. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you. I've been making connections with women. um, And God is doing a new thing in my life for sure. And I pray he's doing a new thing in your life as well. Speaking of new things, we have a new season of Accidental Hope podcast airing tomorrow, February 5th. Tomorrow, February 5th, Accidental Hope Podcast will be back on the air. You can find them at facebook.com forward slash Accidental Hope. Jennifer Eichenhurst will continue to bring you testimonies and amazing stories of how God brought hope through traumas and accidental death into the lives of people. And so I just want to encourage you to tune in and listen to this new season with Jennifer and her guest as they continue to seek the Lord to bring hope to desperate circumstances. Accidental Hope airs every Wednesday on Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. Every Wednesday, you can catch an episode of Accidental Hope. She's been on break December and January, but she's coming back and she's on fire for for the Lord and what He's doing in people's life as they overcome the traumas and the accidents that they've suffered in their life. Be sure to like and share her podcast as well. We're so grateful to have her on the network with us. And we've got some new shows in the work. We may have an old host coming back to resurrect her show. She's been on break since mid-year last year. And um, I'm just excited. There's so many things that are happening. And if you have a story to tell, I would love to be able to tell your story. You can email me at michelle.bentham at bloominginspirednetwork.com and if you click the podcast link at the top of the page on bloominginspirednetwork.com or actually hover over it you'll find a podcast guest information form if you'll send me that form I'll reach out to you and I will set you up to join be on our show in the near future just like Karen is And as always, I want to remind you that blooming where your planet is the first step to living your wildest dreams. So live your lives blooming alive. You have been listening to Michelle Bentham on the Blooming Inspired Podcast on the Blooming Inspired Podcast Network. 
This show airs each Tuesday, bringing you inspiring guests and thought-provoking conversations about what it means to live your lives blooming alive. If you'd like to learn more about this podcast, its host, or the network, please visit bloominginspirednetwork.com and click the podcast link at the top of the page.